Blog Talk Radio. Sherry Knowlton. I write the Alexa Williams suspense series of books, Dead of Autumn, Dead of Summer, Dead of Spring, Dead of Winter, and Dead on the Delta. Hi, I'm Jody West. I write the Crime Crime Cases series, Dying for Vengeance, the first one, Courting Doubt and Darkness, Darkness at First Light, Had a Dying Fall, and Things Strangled. Featuring Carlisle Homicide Detectives, Christopher Snow, and Aaron McCoy. My latest book, Madame Bessie Jones, Her Life and Times, which is historical nonfiction, was released last May. Um, Our books, Jody's and mine, are published by the Sunbury Press imprint, Milford House. And today, we're pleased to welcome fellow Sunbury author Carolyn Kleinman to talk about her debut novel, Love, Faith, and and the Dented Bullet. I'm sorry, I messed that up. Love, Faith, and the Dented Bullet. And it's a really intriguing title. Carolyn Kleinman is a retired English and English as a Second Language teacher. She has a B.S. and M.A. degrees from the University of Minnesota. Carolyn has always been a reader and storyteller who enjoys writing books that explore people, how people respond to life-changing events. She lives with her husband, Stephen, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Love, Faith, and the Dented Bullet is her first published novel. And the premise of the novel is just as intriguing as the title. Love, Faith, and the Dented Bullet blends historical fiction with a sweet, if unlikely, romance between Holocaust survivor Jacob Friedman and a Mennonite farm girl, Anna, in Lancaster, PA, that starts when his daughter unearths a packet of letters and connects them to Anna's diary entries. Welcome, Carolyn. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Well... Let's start in and, and talk about the, the book. Um, it does sound like a really unique book, Carolyn. Um, tell us a little more about the plot of Love, Faith, and the Dented Bullet. Well, the book is exploring two areas because I am a teacher. I wanted to have things that are not commonly covered. Many people know about the concentration camps during World War II, But there were also six death camps that were devoted only to killing. One of the camps, known as Treblinka, 925,000 people were killed there over a 16-month period. But there were survivors. So I wanted to acquaint people with an area of World War II not commonly covered. And I also realized, because I live now in Lancaster, having moved here from Minnesota, that many people knew about our Amish but not about our Mennonites, who outnumber the Amish, and there are far more many churches. 
So I thought, how can I combine these two different elements and put them into something that will teach somebody about something new? So I decided to have a survivor of Treblinka. Of that number, they vary between 67 and 75 who actually made it out of Treblinka alive. And there was in Israel a man named Samuel Willenberg, who was one of them, who did live into his 90s. He wrote his own story that I didn't need to duplicate, but my character was realistic, who now lived to be 98, and his daughter, who's in her late 60s, finds his love letters to a Mennonite farm girl and wonders how could it be that her father would have a romance with this girl in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Our character, Jacob, gets to Lancaster because he is a a Jewish religious butcher called a shohet and works at a chicken plant. And he has a logical reason for coming to Lancaster. And Anna is a girl of the soil whose generations of family have lived in Lancaster. And they can tell each one about their past. And she writes a diary about this relationship she has with Jacob. When his daughter, Ellen, finds the two sets of work, his, di- his letters and her diary pages, it becomes like a jigsaw puzzle, a mystery of putting together the pieces and learning about the romance. And Ellen does this with two friends who are having romantic problems. Along the way, Ellen discovers why her dad has been unable to love her the way she wanted, and her friends learn something about love, And we learned something about the power of the special bond because both Jacob and Anna have guilt and a lot of problems related to their past that need to be resolved, they need to be forgiven, and they need to move on. So it's a real testimony to faith, friendship, and love. Now, that's an interesting approach it's uh, I'm, I'm just wondering how you came up with the premise for the book is it based on a true story or well I wanted to write the book from a, a he said she said viewpoint mm-hmm. uh, I myself got married later in life and realized that not all romances lead to marriage but they can be life-changing You can meet someone who will change your life and form that bond. And I wanted to show through both of their voices how this could be created. And uh, I thought that having the diaries and the letters and having Ellen also resolve problems would be an interesting and very different approach. I must admit that I've always wanted to write a book, And I always wanted to write a book unlike any other. And I think at least I can honestly say there isn't another like it in the library. (laughs) I suspect that that could be true, which is a a major (laughs) accomplishment. Now, you know, I've lived in South Central Pennsylvania uh, all my life uh, and uh, went to school with lots of Mennonite kids. Uh, So I was particularly intrigued um, with your choice of uh, uh, a Mennonite uh, female character as, I guess, your, uh, one of your main protagonists. Um, and, and as you said earlier, 
Um, most people, especially those from out of the area, I mean all over the world, um, I've had people ask me about the Amish who live in, in Lancaster County. Uh, so um, tell us a little bit more about this decision uh, to make her a Mennonite. Was it just to be something different, or did you have a, you know, a, a more complex reason? Well, I've always enjoyed talking to my neighbors and learning something new. And uh, I realized uh, I live a stone's throw from Mennonite Church. And I, when I would talk to them, I'd love, I'd love to hear their stories of their upbringing, what their mothers and grandmothers were like. I remember especially one story that got into the book where um, a neighbor described how her grandmother had dated but when they went ice skating, it was okay to hold a boy's hand, but only if you wore mittens. And it was these charming little facts that showed how people reacted to different situations, that there were actually churches that were in the, uh, after the war called TV churches, which ones would allow TV and which ones wouldn't. And I realized there was this whole spectrum of belief within the Mennonite faith, going from very orthodox to very liberal. And I just found it very interesting and thought that I could capture the voice of Anna by listening to the mothers and grandmothers of my neighbors, reading a lot of biographies and autobiographies that Mennonites had written, and trying to picture that post-World War II time, such a contrast from the horrors of the war that Jacob went through to capture the rural peace of Lancaster at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> makes sense. Um, since the book was set, you mentioned, in the post-World War era, it must have required some considerable research. Can you tell us anything about your process in the research? Well, I had always, up to that point, maybe over a 10-year period, had visited many Holocaust museums with my husband when we traveled. Uh, When we were on a trip to Montreal, I was especially taken with some of the things I saw in the museum. I remember reading a survivor's account of how he had tried to return home and the people who had taken over his farm after all he had been through through the war as a survivor were firing bullets at him saying that they no longer were going to give up the land that he thought was his or his home and they told him it didn't matter anymore he had to leave and it really hit me that these people were no longer welcomed and was one of the reasons that caused them to move to the united states i also have in my background which i put into the book Uh, The character questions her Hebrew name. Uh, This is a name Jewish children have when they are born, usually to honor a relative who has died, and they use it during services and also when they attend Hebrew school and such. Well, my Hebrew name is Haya. I was named after a great-grandmother, and I remember asking my grandfather about my great-grandmother because we share the name. And my grandfather just said, gone. I was about 10 Mm. years old, and I had trouble processing that. How could she just be gone? Uh, uh, At the time, there were a lot of detective stories on TV. I told my grandfather to please hire a private eye and find out if she had amnesia or was lost Uh somewhere. 
But he said, no, you don't understand. She's gone. The town is gone. Everyone is gone. And so that haunted me uh, for a long time. And because I carry her name and have her picture, I wanted some way to sort of honor that I didn't forget and I personally remember. And I know many families of people my age who have lost people had that sense that they were gone. And at least now I tried to bring some of that feeling into the book as Ellen searches for meaning from the Holocaust. It was my sort of way to have a catharsis and to find a way to honor my great-grandmother. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, that that really is. Uh, Carolyn, uh, debut authors often construct their novels in a very straightforward way. And, of course, that can still make for a great book. But, you know, some people, um, you know, they're tackling a book. They want to make it as uh, sort of simple as possible uh, in terms of structure. Uh, So that made me particularly impressed that with Love, Faith, and the Dented Bullet, you chose a much more sophisticated and complicated technique for telling the story, uh, using letters, diary entries, um, a story within a story, with the daughter uh, discovering uh, her father's uh, Holocaust the Holocaust survivors' papers, um, also the the Amish, I'm sorry, <laughs> the Mennonite girl's diary. Um, why, I, I know you said that you wanted a he said, she said type situation, but um, what, what guided you to take on such a complicated uh, project in your first book? Well, I, I must admit, I had read a book about World War I uh, shortly before I kind of made myself sit down and really put the thing together. And it was a book a friend of mine really liked, and it was very popular. But the letters in it bothered me because they rehashed the events. Uh, I think it was because it was written by two authors, each one going over the same event from a different point of view. And I thought this isn't as interesting as if the narration continued and each one added to it and layered it. And so I kind of set myself a challenge that I would like, as he wrote in a diary, a letter, and she wrote in a diary, you wouldn't go over the same material, but the story would still move along. I also wanted to show that um, what happens in the past to someone doesn't only affect that person, but it's going to have a spillover effect onto their children and onto the future generations. Um, You can't go through such a trauma of the war without having it affect the relationship he then had with his daughter. And she didn't understand it. And I thought that that was important, too, because I think many times we have a troubled relationship with a parent and we don't know the full story of the background of why he is reacting or your mother or father is reacting the way they are. So I, again, wanted to create something that would be different and also that would be 
something you would think about later, uh, not just a story that you would read from point A to point B, but that would let you your thoughts go off in various directions uh, regarding family relationships, love relationships, friendship relationships, something to think about. Hmm. Well, I understand that your next book was going to go in a different direction. So what can you tell us about your new work in progress? Well, right now I am writing a cozy mystery. Uh, It is (laughs) very different. It's very different. Uh, When I moved to Lancaster uh, a few years after we had been here, which I'd been here now 34 years, um, there was a very violent murder that involved someone I knew, and I had never been close to a murder. Uh, It haunted me that I knew the victim of a murder, that they lived in my area, and that I didn't understand it. Um, when Before COVID hit, I was very tempted to, as this had been percolating in my brain for a very long time, to interview the people involved and to actually, the, the killer has uh, been tried and in prison. But, of course, that wasn't a good time to go to a prison to do an interview. And I was finding in the Mennonite community where this takes place um, that the people were very much against talking about it, that there was a sense that this was a shameful act and it was closed and it was over. But it wasn't over for me, and it had haunted me for a very long time. So in fiction, I can now create something I'm more familiar with. My protagonist is a college English teacher, which is something I've done and know how she thinks. And uh, it doesn't involve all the massive research because I can go with the basic framework of the crime and add my own reasons, add my own red herrings, add my own alternatives for the killer. So it, it kind of involves a catharsis of a feeling about the murders, but also uh, allows me to create my own world, and I'm having a good time with it. Oh, good. <laughs> well, it, it, it sounds like uh, it doesn't have much, at least on the surface, in common with the other one, um, although there is a Mennonite connection, at least in terms of the, the background. Well, let's step back and and and, uh, and be a little bit uh, broader. Um, not speaking about uh, either your your current book or, or the one that you're working on, but ask one of those sort of new author questions. I mean, you're a person who's uh, immersed yourself in books and writing for many many years as an English teacher. Um, So we wanted to ask you, uh, were there aspects of writing and publishing a book that surprised you um, since this was a somewhat new experience? Well, I think, uh, as I often said to friends, I wish I had been born at a different period in time. I think, you know, when the early 1900s, the fact that someone wrote a book it would get published or have a better chance because the average person did not have the leisure time nor a computer to sit down and actually complete a book from start to finish. 
So you, your chances of getting published were far greater. What I found overwhelming is that uh, when I did sign a contract with Sunbury, I was so beyond elated because it's truly like winning the lottery. There's so many books out there and so many people hammering on the doors of publishers and agents. And uh, it just is beyond belief that you can get yourself noticed, especially when you haven't had a long history of publishing. And I had never published anything in the way of fiction. I had worked on uh, certainly... Uh, different lesson plan type of articles for teaching that had gotten published, but nothing in the area that I craved. And it was uh, an enormous, enormous joy to be recognized. And what I wished sometimes is had I only been born in a different era, uh, it could have happened sooner. But I am so incredibly grateful that it did. And in fact, one of the things I have pledged is that half of any profits I make from this book, because it has a Holocaust survivor character, and I used the information from the files of the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. to create him, that I'm going to pledge half of my profits to charity related to the Holocaust. And I just am just so excited to have had this opportunity and to be able to do that. Oh, and that's a, such a kind gesture, too. But if we move on to the, the art and craft of writing, um, just, you know, I taught, too, for uh, four decades. So um, I'm wondering if you, like me, have a favorite author or genre or a book that either impressed or inspired you to write like um, one of your own? Well, that's like choosing a favorite child. Uh, I have <laughs> taught so many things uh, in my career. I had been in a program where we actually had broken it down into interests. So I have taught uh, science fiction, the mystery, Shakespeare, I mean, you name it. Um, and I find I'm a very prolific reader who reads across many, many areas. Uh, I do like, for example, Ray Bradbury. Whenever I, in between books, I'll read a Ray Bradbury story um, just because I like that kind of O. Henry twist that he sometimes has and the combination of even in science uh, with very human factors. And um, to get ready for my mystery, I read a lot of Mary Higgins Clark just because I love the way she leaves people hanging at the end of each chapter. And that idea of always waiting for more is very important. I read Ann Tyler. I read almost all of the modern fiction. And uh, I do prefer fiction to nonfiction because I feel it gives a human depth to facts. And I just love a good story. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I definitely um, agree that 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 you know the question of well, what's your favorite book or author is uh, I think I suspect all three of us are are avid readers, and uh, that means that you read so many types of books by so many authors. It, it is hard to choose. Um, the 
we had talked a little a bit about this um, right before we got on the phone, but uh, because COVID-19 has sidelined so many in-person book events over the last year, um, has that been a difficulty for you in promoting um, Love, Faith, and the Dented Bullet? Um, have you come through that lull if there was one? And do you now have some events scheduled that you'd like to mention? Well, it definitely was disappointing when the book came out in February and absolutely nothing could happen. So I remember going to bookstores in the area and showing them my book and introducing myself, and everyone would nod very sagely and said, we'll see. And uh, that was hard because I wanted something, my life to be different, and uh, it didn't happen. But things are slowly opening. With the help of my husband, I've created a PowerPoint. So I now have been doing some Zoom discussions with my book, and a combination sometimes of a hybrid of both Zoom and in person. So things are slowly opening up. Uh, this coming October 24th, I have a simultaneous Zoom and in-person event at Temple Bethel in Lancaster, and I'll be showing the pictures that accompany my presentation about how I write uh, pictures of Treblinka and the places that I have in the book and pictures of rural Lancaster and places I mention. On November the 8th, I'm going to um, the Masonic Village in Elizabethtown and in February to Willow Valley. And also I've reached out to different libraries and I was chosen as the book to be read in May for the Manheim Township Library in Lancaster. So things are slowly changing and uh, I do offer Zoom, as I say, as an alternative. And I was approached by a synagogue in North Carolina to do a Zoom, my Zoom PowerPoint. So the word is slowly spreading. Oh, good. That's a good start. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, tell our listeners where they can find out more about your books and where can they buy them. Well, I do have a website. Uh, it's easy to remember. It's just my name, carolynkleinman.com. Uh, the books can be brought through Sunbury Press, and they also can be ordered uh, through your local bookstores and uh, obviously at the events where I can appear in person. I am there to sign a copy, and if anyone would like a signed copy, they can contact me through the website, and I'll be glad to sign a copy and mail it to them. And uh, I'm also available, as I say, for free speaking engagements with any book group, church group, synagogue. This My PowerPoint involves two-faced, so it applies to both, and to libraries and other groups. And uh, I'm just so happy to share my research, and I'm excited about the book and excited about all I learned from it. Well, thanks, Carolyn, for joining us today. Um, and best of luck with your upcoming events with sales of Love, Faith, and the Dented Bullet uh, and in uh, completing your new cozy mystery. Thank you so and much. It's been so nice. And a reminder to all you readers, our books are available at Sunbury Press's own bookstore, online bookstore, Amazon, 
Barnes and Noble, and other online retailers and bookstores. And it really, any bookstore owner can also order it. Um, and a special thanks to all of you for listening to the Milford House Mysteries. We hope you enjoyed our program. Our next podcast will be October the 28th at 2.30 p.m. when we will discuss Halloween haunts and horrors in books. <laughs> that was pretty lame, wasn't it? <laughs> in the meantime, you can listen to some of our previous podcasts. Uh, if you've missed any, just search Milford House Mysteries on the BookSpeak Network. Uh, and please follow us on social media. Uh, I'm on the web at www.sherrynolton.com, plus Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And I'm on facebook.com slash Carlisle Crime Cases by J.M. West. And my website is www.carlylecrimecases, all lowercase.com. And thank you for joining us, Carolyn. We really enjoyed the discussion. So until next yeah. time. Yes, thank you so much, Carolyn. And we'll, the rest of you, I hope you'll uh, tune in on October 28th.